2: Hey folks, before we start the show today, we want to let you know this podcast includes some adult language. So if you're listening with kids, it might be best to listen at another time. Here's the show. Hey folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, we are in a studio, although this feels more like a closet, man. I mean, how, how would you
0: describe this? I would, I would describe this as... Um, And by all means, take your time. The very largest room in my house and the very smallest room in your house, Sean. I keep telling you, man, I live in a cinder block road. There is a little siding on a house
2: on a, it's a, excuse me, a cinder block road, a cinder block house on a dirt road. I don't believe that. Come on, that's just how it is. I,
0: I hear I when you say that I hear brick pavers. No, you know, no, beautiful no. landscaping we're newspaper Ann Arbor. People. we're newspaper people. No, trying to do a
2: podcast. No, no, no. You're a And columnist. now that we're we're actually in person by the way. May I say that you look awfully handsome? <laughs> I know nobody can see that out there, but my goodness. You've got i don't want to call that the five o'clock shadow but it's more like the uh, 10 a m shadow because you probably shaved at seven a m and look at <laughs> look at you now right my
0: my her suit, her suit style is working too i'm not
2: saying anything yet it's it's nice it's uh, yeah
0: i shave i i shave every other day pretty much how about you uh it just depends
2: i mean before the pandemic i used to shave probably every other day yeah it's but, and then during the pandemic i started shaving once a week i start i would start shaving once it got itchy okay. how about that
0: yeah, I just... It starts it's, to come
2: out. My my beard's gray now anyway, a little bit of red. Yeah, yeah.
0: I got some in there too. And I, yeah, it's after two or three days, you look kind of creepy, so... Well,
2: I don't know about that. Oh my God, I can't believe how much time we're wasting already. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a good show. But no, but speaking of the 5 o'clock shadow, how about this for a segue or a transition? I, I don't want to say it's manly because that's a term we don't really want to use anymore. But your coach, Dan Campbell of the Lions, shed a few tears the other day. And it kind of led to a lot of talk about what's acceptable, what we expect a certain, uh, in certain positions in society. Can you shed tears? Can you not? You know, Men
0: crying, all that sort of thing. And we're going to talk about that here in a second, right? Well, let me ask you this. Yeah, okay, we'll, we'll talk to that in a second. But my, my my question that we can start off that conversation with, if a league of their own was made today, could Tom Hanks have said there's no crying in baseball? Especially
2: to a team right? of, that of, women. of women. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah.
0: And I use that. I
2: referred to that line in a column and I wrote uh, today that, you know, I don't know. You probably didn't read. Maybe a few, oh yeah, maybe of course. maybe a few people did. No, we're going to get into that real quick. Um, well, not real quick, but we're going to get into that in a second. We're also going to talk about what Carlos baseball, <laughs> the baseball playoffs. Oh my God, national a, pastime. Yeah, yeah, it's the best thing ever. We're going to, I guess, argue about what the best playoffs are out there. But there could be an argument. Yeah, that sounds really unless exciting. you agree with me and your come uh, to your senses. Probably not. That sounds really exciting. We're also going to talk about what happened a little bit more serious subject with John Gruden, the the former coach of the. Las Vegas Raiders. Some that just still
0: sounds wrong. I Las know, Vegas it does. Raiders. Some,
2: some emails that surfaced first at the Wall Street Journal um, based on an investigation the NFL led that looked into the Washington football team and some some malfeasance there. Can we say malfeasance? Some wrongdoing, sure, sure. some issues that kind of led to this Gruden stuff. Who actually resigned, you know, the coach, he resigned what, last night? Mm-hmm. Monday night, I, I think.
0: Monday, late afternoon. Yeah, some,
2: some pretty ridiculous, uh, outrageous stuff that, you know, Anyway, we'll get into that. But first, uh, by the way, we don't have a guest today. Is that all right with you? There's no room in that closet. Well, we do have anymore.
0: a guest today, and he's oh, the most important guest. Yeah, but he's true. not going to talk. No, unfortunately. Ted
2: Davis, who's actually two feet away from us.
0: And speaking of a handsome white man, shoes, white socks, very handsome.
2: He's white got top. the beard.
0: You and I cannot do beards anymore. It's just I, one of my nephews who's in his thirties. Like you got to grow a beard, like bro. It's going to just look gross. It's for if, young people. Yeah, it's for it's a young man's game. I, I just don't. But I when, think the beard game is passed. So us. we
2: missed out on both ends because when we were yeah. young,
0: right? It was my father. You know, our fathers wore
2: beards. In fact, yeah. my father did have a beard. Yeah, because he was bald and maybe he wanted some hair on his head somewhere. <laughs> I, I, it's funny. I used to tell him, you know, I'm never going to end up like you when I was a smarmy <laughs> little twelve year old and. Sure enough, yeah. Because it's supposed to be a recessive gene. You get it from your mama. Yeah. You know, your hair. And my mom's father had hair. All her family, all the men had hair. So I thought I was golden. Yeah, you didn't. she didn't have a beard either then, obviously. Oh, who knows? Okay, Maybe
0: yeah. she shaved it off, and <laughs> I didn't get to see her when she'd do it. Do you ever feel like you wish you could have had a beard at some point? I, I've never... I had a beard
2: when I was 19. It was red. Oh, you did? Yeah.
0: yeah. Is there a picture? Is there a like, photograph? Yeah, there's a picture. I had
2: Buddy Holly glasses. That's probably a reference that... Oh, well, God. I don't know. Our listeners and viewer, or readers are... What, over 60? Big black rain square, rectangle glasses with a red beard. And I used to like to wear skinny ties. and
0: Can you please bring a Salvation in one Army
2: day. Uh, suits? You know what I mean? I don't
0: know. You were so cool.
2: I, no, I wasn't cool at all. I was that probably sounds- trying to be, you cool, be cool, which, cool makes you, which makes you not cool. You would
0: have been amazing.
2: The only cool thing I had back in those days, real quickly, was a, a three quarter length corduroy. It was a green corduroy coat lined with what I would call like a flaccati. So it looked like a white sort of fleecy lamb thing. I'm sure it was synthetic. It was a 70s coat, but I wore that around. It was my father's. He'd gotten it right after he got out of the military in the 60s. And so I wore that around very proudly.
0: But that was authentic. You know, that was. Yeah,
2: that was genuine. Uh, well, not even, well, I
0: guess a little retro, right? Vintage. Yeah, and I yeah. had that
2: coat for a long time, and then I finally got, you know, into my late 30s, early 40s and couldn't get it around me anymore. You know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right. Okay. Enough, enough of the fashion talk. I mean, you have a little more style than I do, but, uh, a little, I'm getting, okay. A lot. That's fine. All right. Back to Dan Campbell. Yes. What did, what did you think? Oh, it was fantastic. I mean, we'll set it up real quickly. Set, set up the scenario. You go ahead.
0: Yeah. So the lions, um, lose again, yet again, right. For their fifth straight loss. And they lose in Minnesota, 19-17. to how? how? How, How is they are keeping it close. They're trailing that whole game. And finally, at the end, they get a turnover, a strip. Uh, they get the ball back. The defense is done, which is obviously very, you know, um, compromised by injury, by talent. They've done everything they could. Played one of their best games. They get the ball back. The offense scores. The offense, he goes for two. Campbell tells... Jared Goff, hey, we're going to score and we're going to go for two and win this thing. We're not going to go for the tie at 17 uh, or at 16. So they're they're up 17-16. And then, of course, there's like 37 seconds left. Vikings drive in three plays. And Greg Joseph score, kicks a 50-40 yard field goal to beat them as time expires. So soul-crushing loss. The and second time in what, a month? Three yes, weeks. Yes, but uh, to me, a completely different kind of loss to, to the to the lay reader maybe to the columnist who doesn't oh, come you're to practice our, our listeners and readers No I'm saying thing. the to the to the columnist who doesn't come to practice maybe he doesn't understand this but but it, it's a different thing cuz we we talked about this a little bit you know off it's not camera off microphone the other day um that there there it's there's one thing when you get beat by a weird you know bounce from the heavens or something and and yes and that was a soul crushing loss to the to the uh, Ravens and Justin Tucker's kick, this was different. This was he, the Lions did everything they needed to do. He did everything he could. You you left it all out there. You made every right decision, and you still lost. That's the kind of thing that, you know, anybody who's played sports, right, when you feel like you've done everything and you still lose, there's just a different feel to that than when someone makes a insane crazy one of the all-time great plays in the history of the game to beat you um and so i think and I mean, maybe it was a little bit of the a
2: leftover from two well, games yeah, it's ago. cumulative right so that put the, that made them zero and five so they're winless so there's that and you know zero and two oh and one you know whatever that's 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 not the end of the world but zero and five all of a sudden feels like okay where are we
1: i mean <laughs> and,
2: and fans knew that right i mean fans understood they weren't going to win much but but, I don't think he was going to get up But to them.
0: A, but he's not going to jump up in the locker room, we're one in four, guys. No, 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 you know, but like, they're
2: desperate for a win. So it, they it, lose in yeah. that fashion. Yeah. So he walks in and he meets the media.
0: And what? And right away he chokes up, and he has a hard time with the first question coming. When you uh, when you see your players give all that they have, and, uh, and you lose that way, it's tough. You know, you don't want that for them. So... I mean, he has a hard time getting through answering a simple question about who knows what it was, and he does it twice. He has to pause a little bit. But we'll be better for it, you know. And there again, credit Minnesota, but um, you know, we we made the one mistake that cost us, you know, and uh, and so ultimately, you know, it uh, we didn't we didn't do enough to win, but. I was proud of him and I love the fight they have in him and I love the grit. And he feels bad for his players for everything they've done. Um, he didn't say for himself, but I think for himself too, you know, everything he and his coaches go through in a week. I mean these guys, these guys are sleeping at the facility, working 20 hours. Jim Schwartz used to describe it this way that he would tell his wife when training camp starts, it's like I'm going on a submarine mission and I'll see you in January, but you're not really going to see much of me from now from July until January and they they just work crazy hours they get everything they have so it was it he had to pause and it was it was a genuine you know he had to wipe tears away from his eyes it was a it, genuine emotional moment I seen that. his
2: eyes were red no his eyes were red for you sure. don't you
0: don't see that much so what would
2: you think of that and and then you saw some of the response I think it was a lot of favorable response a lot of lions fans that I could see uh, love the emotion love the honesty love the rawness of it and then there were some folks. I mean, it went viral, right? The the clip of that, oh, yeah. and was discussed on NFL Network and ESPN and, and so on and so forth. Because you don't see that all that often. Right. And I thought generally the response was was you know people had some empathy for him, but there were also folks out there that uh, in a couple of camps. One just trolls saying, okay, this is an embarrassment. You know, just knuckle draggers who don't ever want to accept that um, you can show any kind of emotion and all that, and they assume that's weakness, which is Horse shit.
0: Excuse my language here. I Thanks. know you're making Tad work extra hard. Know, isn't know,
2: well, you know what? I know. I think because I put the horse in front of it, <laughs> <laughs> horse bucky, that that'll be okay. And then there were some other folks that maybe more genuinely wondered if uh, you can win. Can you be a winning coach? Because he's not the only coach that's cried, but there've been very few coaches that show that kind of emotion that have that have won, like one big. Actually, I could only really think of one, and I wrote about it in my column, Dick Dick Vermeil who cried on and off his whole career and won, won a Super Bowl and got, uh, got a different team to the Super Bowl, two Philadelphia, one of the St. Louis Rams. So what do you think about that to folks who worry that that shows, okay, great, he's emotional, he's raw, he cares, he's honest, all of that good stuff, but does that show a coach maybe who's not as organized or in control or in control of his emotions and do you need a more robotic sort of presence, tough-minded presence, Bill Belichickian presence to win?
0: I think that, you know, I think that fans, and I'll include myself in this, when I feel my team has gotten cheated or robbed or it's a a tough loss, I want the coach to react in kind to the way I feel. And I think that the Lions fans who watched that game felt gut-punched, partly because it happened twice in three weeks, but also this game was. If you watched it closely, it was a— it was a very well played game by the Lions, and this is a team that is bereft of talent. They're they're hurt, been decimated by injuries. They have no really much business not only winning but being close. Especially the Vikings are not a great team or anything by any stretch, but they're an okay team. And to be on the road and to hang with them, and they should have beaten them. I think it's a tough loss. So when you're and you know you want to see your coach kind of. Um, um stand up for the way you feel I suppose and without him getting out there and, and being angry and I think that you know one one of the things that he said after that play clock incident against Baltimore is you know fans wanted outrage there they always want outrage that kind and he said yeah what are you going to do the is just they're going to just apologize it's not going to change anything like kick and stomp right right but they want to see like hey I acknowledge your pain I I I'm there's empathy here I can feel what you're feeling um, so I think that's what really resonated with the fan base was he he it, now crying was a whole nother level, but it clearly bothered him and it clearly bothered the fan base that you know this is a brutal way to lose and this is our coach. It feels it even more than we do. So I think that's the kind of thing that really resonates with with the fans. What
2: do you say to the the, the few folks out there? Uh, maybe I shouldn't say few. I don't know what percentage it is, but there's some folks who say it's an embarrassment. Do, do you buy that?
0: Oh, no, because not at all.
2: To me, that's just misogynistic. I'm not going to use the phrase I used earlier, but it's, it's a cry. I mean, <laughs> men can cry, right? Oh, and, yeah. And they should cry. And you know what? I was doing a little uh, uh, research, and I'm ashamed to know or ashamed to admit that I didn't remember this from, uh, you know, when I studied in school. And I have a degree in history. I would never know that. it's um, a long but, time ago. But crying among, uh, within men or among men used to be a sign of virility right and and which is also maybe another issue but uh you know samurai samurai warriors would cry and that was a sign of of that they were powerful and so a sign of strength in medieval times men would cry all the time as a display that that uh again they they had a certain kind of power about them the, the idea that that crying among men it shows weakness is a relatively modern phenomenon that didn't start until the last century really and parents kind of raising boys to stay you know, not to cry, to hold their emotions in, and so on and so forth. But uh, there've been some pretty great figures in history over the years too, right? Yeah. The, I mean, I don't know. What, what do you? What, what's your sense of this? That because the culture is changing, and, and I think I think as men we're allowed to express emotion in a different way. More importantly, not denigrate women for showing emotion or just assuming just because they cry a little bit more than we do sometimes, which there are some biology involved in a little bit there too, but. But did that that shows somehow a lack of uh, you know organization, lack of control, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, and I think that's. I mean, the two things I think it it, it, it people are uncomfortable with um, the, a lack of control, and men are supposed to be you know at least in our culture, you know, Western culture, men are supposed to be stoic and the rocks mm-hmm. and the emotionless. Part of that probably goes back to our recent history in fighting wars. You know, how many? I mean, I I knew my my my. Um, I've known people in my family, men who served in war, and, yeah, it was very traumatic, and they won't talk about it. You know, a lot of men won't talk about that kind of stuff. And I think that's— Because they'll
2: start crying. They'll start crying.
0: It's too much. It's too much to handle your emotions, and you lose control. And I think our our society is still uncomfortable with men— being out of control and not being able seeming like they're out of control by not controlling their emotions and, you know, soldiering through this and talking about it. There's still a big problem, you know, as you know, you have a background in your family with military. And there's a big problem in the military with mental health and mental illness and PTSD and all this stuff you hear it all the time, report after report about guys who are in combat and either were had trouble talking to their commanders about seeking help because they had a they had trouble admitting that or they were told, buck up, you know, strap on your helmet, and get back out there. You know, you, we need you. You know, this is not acceptable. So there's always been a problem with, with men showing their emotions openly that way. So it is. I mean, among other talking, men, right? I mean – Among other men. But I, just Even if you're not among other men, if you just – see a per a man you know and out of context and you're and he's crying it it can be it's disturbing and they even make jokes about it on sitcoms too sometimes where men you know where women hope that men are more more emotional when they do show emotion it's like oh this isn't really what i wanted it's kind of i made a mistake here it's kind of a, a little bit of a cultural joke um but yeah it's 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 hard. It's But I, your column, you know, made a good point about the historical figures who have cried, you know, and I think it is a good – it is a really – this is one of these little subtle moments that it, because it went viral, if a big dude like Dan Campbell yeah. can cry, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world to let your emotions, you know, out once in a while and as a way to get through it.
2: No, it's interesting you say that, and I, it's funny because the, the – the, Bear with me here for one second. So The Sopranos, I promise this is related. The Sopranos is having a moment among the generation behind us. Tad's people, basically, right? (laughs) Uh, HBO recently reported that I don't think they've ever – it's never been more popular among their streaming services across whatever platforms. And I think you can get it even on Apple TV now. I don't know if it's on Netflix or not. But um, in any case, I've I've been reading a lot about this. And my my son, who's part of that generation, a couple years younger than Tad, was saying, oh my god, all my. He me recently, oh my god, all my friends have been watching The Sopranos. I'd, and I said, oh yeah, I just seen a long story, of course in a newspaper because I'm old, and and <laughs> which was, I don't know, neither here nor there. But so I was talking to my wife recently, and we decided we wanted to start, you know, watching it again. We haven't seen it again. So the very first episode, Tony Soprano is talking about. This idea – I mean, it starts out in the therapist's office, right? I don't know right. if you remember that that's how the – Lorraine you know, Bracco is his Yeah, it he starts off saying. in the therapist's office. And he's talking about how he got in too late and America's on the decline, which is, I think, partly why that show's resonating so much right now, maybe even more than it did 20 years ago when it was released. Yeah. Because we feel that where is America headed right now? Whether you're on the right or the left, whatever, I think a lot of people are worried about, about what it means to be an American right now and, and what that stands for and our place in the world – and this show is somehow 20 years later capturing that all over again. In any case, Tony Soprano's talking about getting in too late. And then he starts beating himself up and berating himself for being in there talking to psychologists. Is that that's a sign of weakness and whining? You know, it, the implication, of course, is crying. And what about the Gary Cooper type, right? Right. But what about being stoic mm-hmm. and just holding it all in? And so he's conflicted and he's torn. Tony Soprano, I mean, he's a fictional character, right? But yeah. this. this this tough guy mobster who's conflicted because on the one hand he wants to aspire to that ideal and romanticize his own father in in that sort of stoicism. And Gary Cooper, on the other hand, he can't function anymore. He's having panic attacks and he's collapsing. So he's got to go in. And I feel like that's a great sort of metaphor for where we're at. And and I thought about that when I watched Dan Campbell cry.
0: Yeah, very, very appropriate because the, 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 this becomes part of our American cultural fabric. When you do see people like Tony Soprano, um, you know, they just had a um, the Marvel series um, with um, – um, the who you don't know that? what the Marvel series is. Yeah, we watched it, and I, no, I'm not didn't. a big. You know, my wife made me watch it because she thinks the guys are okay, cute. That's uh, a little better but wrong. it was a guy, the guy named Bucky, who was Captain America's buddy. Oh and yeah, then, um, yeah. So was that the Falcon? The Falcon. Falcon and whatever. Ted can was. help out, right? Ted won't even join into. Yeah, the, the Winter Soldier. I don't know. Winter, Winter Soldier and the Falcon. That's
2: not. But you're talking about a, a, a movie or are you a about
0: series? It was a series on with Anthony Mackey. With Anthony Mackie, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and they we were still her, know they the were in, God, this is lame. <laughs> there was a there was a scene with them having to go to a therapist together, like couples therapy, because they're not getting along. Um, but that's the kind of stuff that gets into our the fabric of our culture. You see that. You see Tony Soprano. Yeah, it you becomes normalized. Campbell. right? It, it normalizes. Not it, that absolutely. we're comparing,
2: by the way, Dan Campbell to Tony Soprano. Who'd win in a fight? Oh, that's a tough one. Just a fist fight? Just a fist fight? Well, you figure Dan Campbell's bigger and stronger, right? And probably a better fighter. But Tony Tony Soprano has more rage. He fights dirty. He, too. And he fight a, dirty and he's a, too. And he's a sociopath, right?
0: We can't forget. <laughs> as interesting and compelling as he was, I take Dan Campbell in a fight in the NFL with any head coach except Mike Vrabel. Those two might square off pretty good. But he beat our coach beats up your coach basically in almost See, every See, I NFL feel game. like Vrabel has a little more bluster to him. I
2: mean, I don't know him.
0: I mean, I know he was a linebacker too. Dan Campbell's a lot of bluster, right? But he said he was willing. He's willing to cut off his penis to win a Super Bowl. So he will go that extra mile in a fight. I think he would. He doesn't need his penis. He says not anymore. He's married and has kids. You know what?
2: Let's take a quick break, and I'll tell you a story about my own penis. When we come back, no, I won't. I'm kidding. That reminds me of a great. New Yorker cartoon where there's a dinner party scene at some upper east side or whatever socialite gathering and a guy in a Tweedy jacket and glasses says, That reminds me of a charming story about my own penis. That was, the, that was the caption. I had that on my desk for a long time when I was a young reporter. Anyway, all right, we're gonna get to uh, a little bit more serious topic. Well, that was serious too, we're gonna get to a couple other topics. John Gruden, eventually your
1: baseball playoffs. Uh, but let's take a quick break. Hello. I'm Phil Friend, the host and producer of Spartan Speak, a podcast collaboration between the Detroit Free Press and Lansing State Journal focusing on Michigan State sports. Each week, I'm joined by the OGs of the MSU podcasting game freak beat writer Chris Lowry, and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch as we discuss and dissect the latest sports news coming out of East Lansing. Not only is Spartan Speak one of, if not the, longest-running MSU sports podcast out there, you won't find a show with two people as clued into the Spartans as Chris and Graham, each of whom has spent a decade-plus covering MSU and bring years of institutional knowledge and insight to the podcast. And once in a while, they'll let me throw out a take as well. Along with discussing the latest news, we'll break down the Spartans' last game in the hardwood and the gridiron. What went right? What went wrong? Jet sweep. Again? For both Mel Tucker and Tom Izzo, get you ready for the next game, make predictions, and so much more. We can also guarantee at least one reference to Kalamazoo every podcast. So if you haven't already, download, subscribe, and listen to Spartan Speak on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your podcast app of choice.
2: Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlson and Sean. We were just talking about um penises and I don't know you were trying to make some kind of comment. You you had some kind of <laughs> joke. It was what
0: Mike Vrabel wanting to cut his penis off to win a Super Bowl. So who would fight? Yeah, who would like how psycho is he? Would he win a fight with Dan Campbell? Who okay, listeners out there, you you email Sean and me and tell us who would win a fight. Who does does Dan Campbell beat everybody's butt in the NFL? Between between Campbell who and he Cried, right. which I thought was right.
2: awesome, and Mike Vrabel, who said he cut his penis off for right. the Super Bowl. Right. Speaking of which, let me just tell you a quick story, Carlos. <laughs> I'm gonna. Make, I'm not gonna get too graphic. I just the, the level of anxiety. So I had to have, and I want to get too much into details because nobody, you know, nobody cares about my health and and tests and stuff. To get, let's That's just right. say, I had to have a test that involved that organ and a camera. All right. Can you, if you can, use your yes. a, a camera at the end of a long. <laughs> Uh, like a hose, a very skinny <laughs> hose. And by the way, when I saw the width of that camera, I'm like, okay, that's going to that's gonna be interesting. So anyway, I, I get prep. The nurse comes in and puts a little lidocaine in a way, not in the needle, thank God, puts a little lidocaine in to kind of numb you up to prep you for the camera. And then she walks out and says, the doctor will be in pretty soon. I said, how long does the? And she said, but don't worry, this this will keep you numb for 8 to 10 minutes. So she disappears, and, I, you know, I'm starting the clock in my head. So 8, 10 minutes go by. and I'm thinking, what the? Where's the doctor? You know? <laughs> the clock's ticking. I don't want that camera. If this stuff's going to start wearing off. Oh, my God. So finally he comes in. He's, uh, I think he's from Spain. He's got this great accent. And, and uh, I lo- love the doctor. Very charismatic. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. It's going to be all good. You, you, you're still numbed up there a little bit. And then so he gets in there, and there's a camera right next to him, and he keeps trying to get me to look at the camera. <laughs> To say, hey, look, look in here at your, your your bladder and all that sort of stuff, and he wants to. T- he's like, look, 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 doc. I know this is fun for you. The science <laughs> is great, and I'm glad that you're taking care of me. But I just want to breathe through this and and move on. Can we just can we just move on? It reminds me of time. One more quick story, Carl. It reminds me of time I got a colonoscopy, and the guy found out what I did for a living. And he, you know, you don't get complete. This was back before they were putting you completely out, so you just got drugged up a little bit. Uh-huh. So you're kind of in a in a Twilight, yeah, and a twilight, a good, a fog, a happy fog. How about that? Yeah. So he starts in there with the camera and the probe. That's a much bigger, thicker <laughs> camera, by the way. And he's like, okay, so how about the Red Wings? As he's tunneling up the backside, I'm like Doc, this is why I don't, you know, tell people I'm a sports writer sometimes. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. So anyway, so that was
0: that was way too long, and we're gonna move on to a serious. This serious would actually be a event. hilarious like setup for a sketch on. The guy, the doctor comes in for a colonoscopy, but he finds out that this is the guy who's like cheating on his wife with him or something. And he's like, it's time to exact some revenge. Or yeah. you're the guy who wrote that really bad column about the Red Wings. Yeah. yeah.
2: Probing you. Exactly. That oh, would come be Come on, rough. Doc. Yeah, just yeah. give me a little more for said, please, and
0: and and close your mouth. Yeah. You know, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, you know what I mean? Do your thing, man. Do your, all these, do all your these, job. All Sean, Sean gets probed, is making Tad cry. So you're going to. Is, is Ted? Ted's enjoying this. I think he Ted doesn't leave. have to
2: worry about any of this kind
0: of stuff for a couple of decades.
2: Oh yeah, can we? He say has that? no
0: idea what we're talking about. No,
2: I mean, no, he can still sleep through the night without urinating. <laughs> I mean, that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> you know. What I mean. By the way, the doc did tell me. He said, I can't believe we'll keep talking about this. But he said, he, he said, hey, I want to tell you a story. Um, there was, I can do a procedure. I can help you out. And th- th- I had another patient who had a similar kind of thing. And he goes home and he heals up and he goes in to use the restroom and leaves the door open on a different floor. And his wife tells me the next time I see her, hey, I could hear my husband peeing for the first time in, you know, a couple of years. So there was that much pressure she could actually hear it. So he's telling me this, too. He was just, you know, just chatting away. We could have had a podcast while he was, <laughs> was uh, ferreting around in there, you know what I mean? In any case, look. Let's let's turn serious. Can we turn serious? Oh yeah, that? this is a good transition. This will be great. How about this? Let's talk about the baseball playoffs first. And okay. The, and the, yeah. And, and then we'll come back to Thank uh, you. a much more serious. You are arguing, or you're gonna, you're about to argue that the baseball players are the greatest thing, right? The best thing ever. ever.
0: Yes. No. I might. And might, I'm going to say you need a colonoscopy to rethink
1: this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> my question for you was: Now that the baseball postseason has started, it made me think. Which of the four pro sports in America has the best postseason?
2: Well, I, I can't answer that objectively because it's about your – for me, it's – Your sports trainer supposed to be objective. No, but it's uh, – you go by your favorite sport, right? Yeah. I I mean, so you want me to remove my myself from that and say what's where's the most well, drama?
0: For, well, for are, are you for your personal preference, but then maybe take a step back and be objective. And
2: I mean, that. if I want to be objective, I mean it'd probably be a, a close tie between the NHL playoffs and the and the baseball playoffs.
0: Oh, okay, because
2: just the, the way drama is built in both of those, they're both low scoring games, right? So the offense comes a lot less. Tad would say soccer. And uh, we'll probably have a point you watch the World Cup and it builds. It's nil-nil, and then they go in a penalty kick. We're talking
0: about, Amer- like, real sports, though, not soccer. But yeah. But the four American but, real sports. Uh, and know. there's a lot of not tension kickball. there. Yeah. There's
2: a lot of tension there, you know. If you've ever watched any of those matches, somebody actually cares, which more and more people do, Carl, so no matter what you <laughs> try to do to stop them. No, seriously, I would say baseball and, and, and hockey. Baseball, because of the lack of the clock, the pitch-by-pitch drama as it builds, right? One little, one little mistake, one little, you know. Or one big hit. And then hockey, too, especially if it's 1-1, 0-1, and you get into that third period, right? And then you, you keep going through the breathless, overtime. But breathless yeah, action. It's, yeah, there's up and down, up and down, and there's one little slip, one little mistake. The puck squirts out loose, and there's a there's an odd man rush or whatever, and boom, and that's it. So I think there, the, as far as tension, if we're talking about tension, those two sports are hard to beat. Football is not close to me, to either one of those. Yeah, I would argue basketball, but –
0: in a way, but, but I'd have to say those two. How about you? Yeah, I agree with you. I think, I think, um, you know, definitely, I mean, Red Wings fans are, you know, spoiled and, and it's one of the best theaters for playoff, you know, hockey is, you know, what was Joe Lewis now? We haven't seen little Caesars arena yet, but, um, but a lot of NHL stadiums have their thing, you know, in Nashville, they have the the fish that they throw out. You have the octopi here. Uh, the, the fans are just rabid in hockey. Um, and it's it's uh, it's just a special thing, you know, when you have the – and I think in hockey stadiums you, or arenas, you have, like, the singing and the chanting, which is soccer-like, which is one of the endearing things about soccer that we just don't get to experience here, unfortunately enough, like you do in Europe and, and other places, but um, – but baseball to me is just that—that that, like you said, Sean, it's that pitch by pitch, just the strategy, lefty righty, and if the, should I let this guy go another inning, another—you know—it's just the the tension and the, and the fans. And it is the one thing with baseball too is that during the regular season, the fans are pretty sedate, actually. You know, they're kind of yeah,
2: they're there for a picnic. It's, yeah, it feels like a they're picnic. there
0: to get a suntan, really, and,
2: yeah, and uh, some I want to get you know
0: daytime drinkers, whatever, and absolutely. Yeah, you know, busting yeah. away from there. But in in playoff baseball, it's just everything. So the game. I'm more changes. of a breakfast drinker, by the way. Breakfast. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you're you're probably more of a lunch drinker. I'm a brunch guy. You, you like you like brunch? A little champagne
2: in your orange juice. Yeah, a little, a little vodka and tomato mimosa, juice. Mimosa. Yes. Mimosa. We call them mimosas. Does Tad know what a mimosa is? Uh, no. Has no. he ever heard of that? No. It's. Does it's, Tad it's, know? It's, He's craft beer. He's. So that means he's, he's Tad's probably you know, never had orange juice out of a carton. He squeezed it himself.
0: Uh, Yeah, probably
2: out of, yeah, like, yeah. a vintage found, you know, squeezer. You know. I actually have one of those, yeah. It's an old family heirloom, though. Yeah. You know, it's okay. about to break. It's, yeah. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Nobody cares so about that. So we agree. You've come to your senses, and we agree that baseball well, is Well, no, rocking. I
2: enjoy the NBA playoffs by far the most, but that's just – that's because I like basketball. You like basketball. And I, I love basketball. But But I understand no. if I remove myself. So here's my question to you, then. If you don't have a team – in the playoffs in your market that you grow or a team that you love I guess these days it doesn't have to be in your market because most of the people that live in Michigan actually live in Arizona or Florida
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> but but so what other sport would you tune in right, right so the Tigers aren't in the baseball playoffs so many people around here which team would I are team? watching the baseball playoffs if you don't have a team what sport will you most likely watch but anyway if you don't have a team in the playoffs right I, I would argue that the NFL. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right. Right is where most casual people would would stay with the playoffs, and maybe the NBA Finals, although those ratings have come down a little bit too, for various reasons. But um, hmm. what do you think? I, I What's still... so compelling that you you have to step outside of your own your own team?
0: Well, um, in the NFL, for sure. I mean, because it's such a it's a short playoff you know series. Um, it's one and done. So I think the NFL playoffs are always going to e- – even for the more casual fans, you know, you're likely to just see um, who's playing. And I, even even regardless of fantasy football, just even forget about all about that, which I don't think that goes into the playoffs anyways. But um, I think that's the one. Um, but for me personally – I, that's why i kind of think baseball is because you know even when the dodgers my dodgers are my team but when they're not in it i still will flip around and and watch other games and i like to see matchups or you know certain star players um i'll bounce around i bounce around all of them i mean that you know and and same thing with with nba with me it's stars it's the the compelling right the the when there's two players going at it when you know whatever it is you know you you want to see that and i i do love i mean and basketball i love about it is the intensity of it and and especially the last few minutes of it. it's oh. really. It's, there's nothing better than the last few minutes of a close game in With a lot at stake. A yeah. lot at stake. Who's going to make the big shot, their turnover, whatever it is, the strategy. You know, I, I love that. So why did you want to talk about this? Are you just really enjoying watching baseball right now? Yeah, boys, is it because
2: of your Dodgers? Who lost, by the way, didn't they? They did. They're down 2-1 against the San Francisco Giants?
0: Well, we don't want to timestamp this because there's a game tonight. So um, you, you may okay, be dating so, yourself. So, but, so it could
2: be 2-2. Two two. By the way, can you explain to us? As a Californian, <laughs> why why the hate between those two places and those two fan bases? Why their fights
0: all the time in the parking lots, especially down in L.A. I will give you I will give you the very easy answer to this: Giants fans. Have they hate the Dodgers and they have an inferiority complex? El, San Francisco has an inferiority complex about L.A. L.A. doesn't care. L.A. people in L.A. don't care about each other, much less people you know 300 miles away in San Francisco. Isn't that wearing, crazy to say about San Francisco? So San Francisco, one of the world's
2: great cities, yes, that attracts you know after New York and L.A. probably attracts and draw, draws more visitors from uh, anywhere else uh, from around the world. No, no, to the wh- to where Chicago. I'm, I'll bet San Francisco, maybe, maybe Chicago. I mean, I guess maybe Florida beaches or whatever. But I'm talking about a specific specific city. Isn't that crazy? San Francisco is known all over the planet, and it has an inferiority complex. Yeah,
0: they're they're. They're just kind of—they've um, always been that way, and and uh, you know I've been to many games at both stadiums, both towns. Uh, you Dodger, Dodger Giants, Dodger fans when there's Giants fans. I mean, I grew up going to games and I was like, okay, they're Giants fans and you, they're cheering.
2: You really, you've been to San Francisco? Would you go to Old Candle when they yeah, played in candlestick, candlestick?
0: Yeah, and all all they would do for a Dodger game there is they were just more interested in booing Dodger fans and turning around and so giving why they
2: fighting? Why and why in L.A. because it was oh I, I read just, about you know. Yeah, those are
0: just morons it's who are anarchy. probably, dr- you know,
2: drunken. It's like going stupid. out of Columbus
0: for Michigan Ohio
2: State Week. I mean, it's yes. it feels a little
0: unhinged to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah, and there, it really is. Um, that, that I don't know about that. I can't speak to all the violence and why, whatever. But as far as the fan base is, dude, you're a
2: sociologist.
0: Yeah, no, they, the, it's, it's, it's a one way kind of a thing. Um, you know, LA is just too big. LA is too big to care about. I mean, San Francisco is a really small town, actually. Um, and it's cool that way, that there is a real downtown vibe. There's a lot of history there. It's, it's a, they call themselves the city. They're so full of themselves. San Franciscans are so, the most self-absorbed, you know, let's, let's wear black all the time, be cool, we're hipper than you are. Yeah, but I thought a lot you of know. the coolness up there, especially in the last 10 years, comes from Oakland. Oakland is the cooler place. I mean, you've always had Berkeley. You've always had Oakland. Oh, Oakland had, man! Come on. I, I mean, it's cool. To th- it's it's cool to say that about Oakland. There's still not a lot of people who like live Detroit in has
2: cachet with, with certain folks all over the world now, right? It's, that there's a
0: cool factor.
2: To some of it, that, yeah. That's problematic in, in certain
0: ways, right? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And the gentrified parts of Oakland, you know, and I had a... The I had, same same with here. Yeah, I had really good friends who lived um, right next door to Berkeley in Oakland, in a little town called Albany. And, yeah, we'd go... We, there were a few cool bars in Oakland we'd go to. We wouldn't go to the real Oakland at that time, but people hung out mostly in Berkeley, and you still go down to the... It's kind of a pain to get to the city across the bridge, but the city is cool. I, I, I'll give... San Francisco, full credit, downtown San Francisco is an awesome city. Really cool, lots of culture, lots of art, lots of history. Um, But L.A., it's just – you've been there. It's There's so much – it's a sprawl. It's a big, massive, endless sprawl of – Yeah, with the downtown that's that's really changed in the
2: last 10 years. It has –
0: they've done a better job of making it a downtown place. But, yeah, Dodger fans just really – and that's what that's part of what drives Giants fans crazy, is that Dodge fans don't care it's like the Tad may have watched the, the Lego Batman movie. He might have been he might have been like twelve or thirteen at the time. I think he's like nineteen now, but um, that was probably of his time. But Batman doesn't care about anybody but himself and the riddler wants him like to or the Joker, please be my enemy. He's like, I don't care about you enough to be your enemy. So no, that's San Francisco Giants fans. There's, I don't know that Detroit has
2: that with a fan base. They've had teams they've hated over the years. You know, the Pistons fans hated the Bulls with Michael Jordan,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, I think Detroit and Chicago fans kind of hate each other equally, and even kind of but, Toronto, and, but it's Yeah, but, but did Chicago, did, did they even really pay attention to Detroit oh. in some way? Oh,
2: yeah. You oh, know? yeah. Because I think we, we obviously have an a inferior, inferiority complex here. To some degree, oh yeah, it's a big chip on the shoulder here.
0: There is, but you you see it. I mean, Lions games, the 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 you know the the Bears fans invade all the time. The Blackhawks games, when they were good, when they when they've been good, they come. You know, the Toronto fans, the Leafs fans, they come and represent. I think it was most intense with the Bulls and Pistons. The Bulls and back, I mean, that back was, in the Bad Boys era, yeah, Jordan. That was great.
2: But I, is it really city to city fan base to fan base like that? I think it's to me here are the teams that have been hated or, excuse me the, fam- the cities have been hated and it's temporary it doesn't last that long like when the wings were playing the, the avalanche back right. in the 90's trying to win the cup right? and they were fighting on the ice and right. uh, you know right Claude demue took a sucker punch and yeah. Darren McCarty got into it and became a cult hero but, but who
0: worries about that now well, that that that's a rivalry that would be stoked again if both it teams could were good be. at the same time. It could be. It could. It would definitely be because there's enough history there. Maybe it's what the T-shirt
2: says. Detroit. Excuse me. I'm hitting the microphone here, Ted. Sorry about that. Detroit versus everybody.
0: I mean, right? Yeah, but there's. I ones know that say cliche, Beverly cliche, Hill, Beverly tough. Hills versus everybody. I've seen that one too. It's it's a joke now. It's what like was a, it like growing up in Beverly Hills, by the way? It was great. We would go we would go surfing and then we'd go to the peach pit and hang out with uh and you with, said that, so what was it wasn't like to ride around all the time
2: in the back of a car.
0: It was cool. It was awesome. I,
2: you didn't even know the driver. Did you even know their name?
0: <laughs> yeah, his name was Driver.
2: Driver. Oh, is, it, is that what it was? <laughs> That's a nice life and you ended up here at the free press sitting in a closet. <laughs> it's what still, is this? Is this 6 that's not even six by six. Is it? Maybe six by six. No, it's
0: five by five. This is There's the room where you keep your bidet in your manse, Sean. This is the this is about the size of your. There's styrofoam.
2: I don't know. This is foam. It's not styrofoam. It's foam. that Tad put up pretty nicely. It's kind of like a little puzzle, right? <laughs> Blue and black pieces that he taped up. This is what
0: we've been waiting. It's an for. Escher drawing, basically. No, no, no yeah. Know. He kept
2: saying, "Oh, we, we can't, we can't get in the studio. We can't get in the studio. It's almost ready. I'm waiting on stuff. I'm doing." <laughs> so he took a month. To take some tape and put up, you know, a few pieces of foam <laughs> yes. and drag a desk in here with it with a computer. Yeah. And set up a couple of microphones I, I think with a just couple of clamps. I'm just, not understanding this. He just couldn't
0: find the light switch. But all
2: there? that talk and all that time. The studio. Which, I,
0: th- I expected big things, didn't you? Yeah.
2: I I mean, it's a Detroit Free Press on guard for 400 freaking years
0: or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Before the country was founded, the Free Press was – what were we on guard before the – Ford before the country was founded. Well Yeah, well, I, I, that's a good question.
2: You mean it was just Native <laughs> Americans hanging out and before the French came down the river and started right. started thieving? Yeah, which is you know <laughs> what we do. That's a different
0: podcast. <laughs> yeah, that'll, 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 that's a good topic for the next one. Yeah, you, you, you want to invite somebody in for that? Yeah, yeah. Some of the some of the some of the French, uh, the Huguenots or whatever, the, the, the relatives of Cadillac de well, Moss. Were and, you around for the three hundredth?
2: Birthday yes. and all yeah. that celebrating and the fireworks and the old wooden ships. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Aretha Franklin sang. Franklin sang in the church she grew up in. Yeah, I remember I went and covered that because it was hot. It was in August. Yeah, and it was I don't know the high nineties and there was no air conditioning. I mean, she made the air, she cut the air conditioning <laughs> she had the yeah. church because she liked the humidity for her vocal cords. <laughs> so everybody's sitting in there in their Sunday best, crammed into this church to hear you know a voice basically from the heavens. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe the greatest voice this country's ever produced. And but everybody had to sit there and sweat <laughs> to hear it. So, but there's so, so there's sacrifice, you know, yeah, yeah, and and hearing something that sort of beautiful, yeah, and meaningful. Did anyway, people, no, I've never forgotten that. Yeah, that was did uh, people
0: know that that's why the the air conditioning was off, or well, after the effect? I, I don't know. I
2: probably maybe people that knew her, yeah, okay. I knew just because I was told because I was there covering it, and, I see, and it was delayed because she had to let the temperature to a a certain point. <laughs> it's like in Mission Impossible when they're trying to break in and there's a, there's a heater in the room. They put a heater in the room to try to raise the temperature. doesn't set an alarm off. Oh, right. Wait. Yeah, yeah. They put steam in or something. So she was yeah, vaporizing the room for her vocals. <laughs> the queen... Yeah, I don't know how we how we got there. From uh, we're all over the Who place knows? today, Carlos. Who this knows? is what happens when we're in a studio and we start having yeah. a conversation. Yeah. Instead of just doing this podcast off a list,
0: right? You know what I mean. Right. right. It's oh. hard to interrupt you when we're remote. You're like, shut up, let me talk, Carlos, and you you finish your you know soliloquy, and then I I forget what I'm saying. So this is much easier. The interplay is much. better. Yeah, you like this, and plus our knees are almost touching, so that's not so bad. <laughs> it's
2: it's.
0: I mean, after the pandemic, they like have a on an human, airplane
2: human. It does. <laughs> It does feel like that. By the way, I flew. Uh, God, I can't. We, we got to get to the next topic. Topic here, but but I was on a plane the other day, and uh, and a, a guy was a guy had his mask over his nose. God, how am I going to do this on a podcast? Because of the way he gestured, he had a mask over his mouth that was below his nose, and we're getting ready to take off. And the flight attendant walks down the aisle and says, "Sir, would you?" And she motioned up, you know, like pull your. So the guy doesn't say anything. He's probably in his sixties. But he motion, he grabs his uh, his mask and pulls it up and yanks it up over his nose in exaggerated fashion, and then kind of does gestures off, you know, like he was just so put out. And I was just thinking to myself, you know, sixty five years old, and this is what we're going to do again. That's a different podcast, but <laughs> since it's the free association podcast today, were you sitting next to him? No, he was across the aisle. Oh, okay. okay, but no, it made me think. I, I've flown a lot recently, and I have not had the experience. That's, you've read so much about you yeah. know, people getting duct tape to their seats and all, <laughs> all kinds of stuff like that. Well, listen, uh, we went from baseball playoffs to duct tape and uh, and airplanes and all that. So it just goes to
0: show you how interesting the baseball playoffs are, right? Why do you hate the national pad- – see, you hate baseball the way I hate soccer. So there's like a – this has to be like this a triangular Tad, – Tad probably hates basketball, but he's scared to tell you that. No, it's okay Even if you don't like basketball. I'm not no, going to hold that. It. No. no, it's
2: it's completely okay. I don't hate baseball. I, I really enjoy baseball. And I I think it's great that the Tigers showed uh, some promise this year, and uh, it would be fun to have playoff baseball back in this town in the next couple of years, wouldn't it? It would. You remember what that was like. Tad yeah. doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. He yeah. was riding around his red flyer <laughs> getting pulled by his pop. But but we, we remember that. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, yes, you're gonna make. It, it was a long off. time. It was okay. ten years ago. All right, we're gonna get serious on the next subject, right? We're gonna come back yes. and talk about the NFL and uh, and John Gruden and, and you know old emails and cancel culture and all that lovely stuff. But uh, first, we'll let's take a break.
1: My name is Dave Boucher, and I'm a government and politics reporter for the Detroit Free Press. In the past year, we've brought you the impact of the 2020 general election and debunked mountains of misinformation. All the while, we continue to delve into the policies and politics driving the fight against COVID-19. There's never been a more critical time to produce reliable information while holding the powerful accountable. But we can't do that alone. By subscribing to the Free Press, you're supporting quality local journalism that creates a stronger community for everyone. And it's never been easier to join. For just $1, you'll get six months of full digital access to all of my work along with excellent coverage on autos, sports, and additional topics chronicled by my wonderful colleagues here at the Detroit Free Press. To learn more, head to freep.com slash offer. Thank you.
2: Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. I'm not going to share what we were just talking about off microphone. I might save a little bit of that for my favorite thing, my new favorite thing. Um, but let's... Uh, Let's dig into this here for a second, Carl. So John Gruden wrote uh, several emails, maybe more than several, maybe I don't know, hundreds of emails. What ten, ten or so years ago, and um, one gets uh, leaked, found in an investigation that the NFL, actually an NFL investigation, the Washington Football Team for some unrelated stuff. It had to do with a an acquaintance. I think it was a general manager at the time with the with with the then Washington Redskins. Mm-hmm and um, found an email in which he called uh, the NFL's uh, player rep, not player rep, excuse me, the, the director of the NFL's player union, DeMora Smith. He referred to him as having lips the size of Michelin tires. So this comes out a few days ago. It gets leaked to the, uh, the, it's leaked to the Wall Street Journal, maybe the New York Times, and it sits there, right? It becomes a story. But nothing really happens. I mean, we're talking about it. This is, I think is four days ago. Mm-hmm. So then yesterday, another series of emails get leaked. Uh, this time, I think not, to the New York Times and maybe some other outlets that detail a lot of other um, not just racist stuff, then misogynistic stuff, homophobic stuff, um, including. Uh, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it. He he wrote an email that Roger Goodell, who is the uh, commissioner of the NFL, he called him a he called him a faggot right? Or maybe, no, he called him a faggot. That, that's the word he used. Mm-hmm. And I know that's harsh to say, but that's what was in there. Let's just go ahead and say, this is what it was. And um, and a lot of other language like that, that was too much, right? Mm-hmm. And yes. then he resigns fairly quickly as soon as that hits the press. So I have a couple of questions for you. One, why wasn't the Michelin lips enough? And two, um, what do you think about the emails from 10 years ago because there are people pushing back who say, you know what? Hey, maybe he's grown, maybe he's changed. Why did he have to resign? Isn't this just another example of cancel culture?
0: Well, in the first point, you know, I think it's it's you know, without knowing all the context of what he was saying about Damora Smith, it might have been a it could be viewed as a criticism of, you know, coach or team versus players union and some of the denigrating talk that goes on. And, and, you know, so it was bad enough that it was racist, but I think it was that it was directed at the highest person in the union. And there may have been some, some issues there, um, you know, political, whatever it would have been, you know, between, between a coach and, or a former coach um, and, you you know, the head of the union who could – who knows if it was a troublesome relationship there in the past. Um, and that's why it was kind of like, well, you know, we'll see. But this other stuff with the homophobia, talking about Michael Sam and, you know, Jeff Fisher being pressured to, to um, uh, draft a queer, I think he said. He did. You know. All these things. That that was, well, like, well, there was way too much. You know, before it was some smoke, now it was an outright blaze and fire burning. It was no way you could it. Well, come they went after the
2: that. commissioner, too. And that's kind of, you know, it makes me wonder a little bit that it's sitting out there for three days. I mean, referring to somebody's lips, referring to a, a black player's lips, a, a black man's lips, black woman, too, in that way is one of the oldest, nastiest, most insidious tropes we have. So the fact that that sat out there for three days, more or less, and that wasn't enough is, um, you know, I, I'm not. I, I don't know that I like that. On the other hand, the fact that he resigned fairly quickly after the last batch, I, I think, is a good sign. I, I, I just don't think that there's room for that. Not only that, the Raiders have an openly gay player, or maybe the first openly gay player on his on their roster, and uh, it's Carl
0: Carl Nassib. Nassib. I was yeah. going to say
2: Nassib. Sorry, Nassib. All right. So, the, the, how are you going to do that? And it, there was a really good column. I don't know if you saw this by Marcus Thompson, who writes for the Athletic out in, in the Bay Area. And he wrote kind of Lincoln, the Raiders past. It was a great point he made that, 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 that under Al Davis, uh, his son owns the team now, right? Mark Davis, yep. Yeah, Mark, Mark Davis. Under Al Davis, they were renegades and pirates, and they kind of had this rough-and-tumble reputation, but they were also very inclusive. And that Marcus Thompson said, if you if you went to a Raiders game, especially in the Oakland days, and went to the tailgates, you saw people from all walks of life and all the sorts of colors and, 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 and a lot of diversity, and that they... You know, he encouraged and cultivated that from the seventies, so that he was a little bit ahead of his time in that way. You know, right? And it was open to everybody, and that that was part of who the Raiders were. It's maybe not to the rest of the country, but for the Bay, you know, or for the Oakland in particular. So to have then a coach come in and say these things and stand for everything that Al Davis did not, I thought that was I thought that was interesting. But but, but what do you think about this idea of something surfaces up from
0: your past? And you pay for it in the future. Well, I think it depends on you know the uh, you know how many incidents you're talking about, and these are obviously that. And I think that's why the Demore Smith thing didn't didn't get him fired right away because it was one. It seemed like it was an isolated incident, and it could have been a back and forth between a, a union chief and a head coach, or uh, you know something like that. You know, um, so but but when you had so many more examples of it, um, then I think that that was where it was problematic. Um, and you know, you just, even though it was 10 years ago, um, I'm sorry, but you know, where do you draw the line? You know, six months, 18 months, two years, you know, I mean, you, you can't be the head, the face of your organization and be asked to lead, you know, everybody. And when you, when you talk about sports teams, everybody has to remember this all, any coach that you may not like or disagree with, or, you, you know, whatever it is, um, it's the team, but there's so many more people on the team. There's so many more support staff. You know, secretaries, cooks, uh, you know, personnel, all cleaning people, um, executives, scouts. You're talking about massive organizations, hundreds and hundreds of people, and they all play a role in making your team successful. So, you know, if you're if you're the head of that organization, the face of that organization. And there's there there there's homophobia and there's racism and how are you going to stand up and say well I wasn't that person then I, I you know I, I was that person then I'm not that person now it's really too hard to explain and just imagine if you are there's two if you're a black player on the Raiders. You know, how do you take that? Do you, are you know, like, okay, coach, you got caught here. And, but now you weren't that, you're not that coach now. And if you're Carl Nassib, okay, coach, you know, there's gotta be some down in your mind and it's just hard to lead a team. And, you know, NFL teams, especially a lot of sports, they're very fragile things. And once there's some dissension, you know, and especially in that locker room, you're going to get, you know, what if the white player's like, it's no big thing? And the black player's like, well, it's not no big thing. And Carl is like, yeah, it's not no big thing either to me. You can have a lot of problems there, you know. And the fact is, John Gruden has been pretty much a failure since he got there. The team's 3 and 2 now, but he has not done well his first three years before this. Um, I think he had a 10 year contract for 100 million, so he's leaving a lot of money on the table. Um, But I think it was absolutely the right thing to just have him step away. And his career is done. He's not going to be an announcer anymore. He's not going to be a head coach. He's out of the NFL for good. No, people aren't going to do impressions of him anymore. I was actually thinking about that yesterday. The
2: Chucky stuff, yeah. Yeah, right? I mean, it's just – look, for the folks that want to know, well, okay, 10 years ago, well, look, he's not not 30 and this happened when he was 20 or he's not 28 and it happened when he was 18 and he'd come from a household where he was taught that or a community where – you know there was a little bit too much of that, and you get out into the larger world, and you learn, and you you figure it out. He's in his, I don't know how old he is exactly, but it's he's in fifties, I think. Yeah, he's in his fifties. So this happened when he was in his forties. That's not a kid. You know the thing with Gruden, and he'd been in the NFL. Sorry to cut you off, Carlos. He'd been in the NFL. He won a Super Bowl, right? Right. And so he's doing that sort of behind the scenes.
0: I, you know, I've 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 known of Gruden for a long time. One of my best friends covered him when he was the when he was. Uh, uh, coaching in the Bay Area when he was with um, Cal. Was it okay. Cal? No, that was Mariucci. No, he was the Raiders coach at the time. And he was a younger coach at the time and his first stint with the Raiders. And, um, you know, he got to know him fairly well. He was well-liked, respected. You know, I've gotten to know him more as a broadcaster when you come in and do, you know, the primetime games here for the Lions. And a smart guy, you know, like I, I it's it's hard to believe how – you know, either stupid he was to send these emails in the first place, or that maybe this really is who he is. And everything else has been this veneer, this sheen that has, you know, sort of uh, whitewashed, you know, what his, what his real feelings were on some of these things. And we know that there are people who speak caustically, you know, off the record coaches and players and stuff. And it, it was probably said more freely in the past. Now that, People tend to report everything and tweet everything. They're more athletes and coaches are more careful, but but it, it's just shocking to think that this that the John Gruden would have ever been, you know, moved to say these kind of things and also to write emails about them to have a traceable record of that kind of stupid hate speech.
2: No, I, I agree. Look, a lot of us say things in private. Say things when we think we're. It's just an audience of a couple and people we trust, and we say things we, we probably wouldn't to a larger group, even to people we we know. You know, you, you you cater a little bit. I mean, as you get older, I think you worry less and less about some of that. You know, you just yourself in some ways, but but it's not it's not the same as, as getting caught saying, "Well, I don't really like this person over here." All right, that's not that's not taking part in in larger issues in society that's uh, oppressive that are oppressive to you know millions of people. So that, to me, that's a little bit different. As far as the idea of council culture, I, I hate that phrase. First of all, I don't. I don't. No. I, I don't. I mean, I understand why it's used, and I understand. You know, it's it's to push back against the initial push of society trying to change a little bit, right? Right. And maybe it does. Maybe it does swing a little bit, and some people get caught um, in a crossfire. But uh, but eventually, you know, we're trying to move into a certain direction, right? And you. Yeah, I mean. You can't. So the the idea that he's trying to get canceled. No, we're not trying to cancel anybody. If you if you use
0: that kind of language, and that's what you think about people,
2: you have no business running an NFL team. You just don't.
0: You know the only the only the only defense he has for that is just to say, uh, you know, I I was stupid and I didn't mean it and I was trying to be blustery or whatever. You know, but it's like you. It's, Would you ever say that? No. Ever. I would never say that. I would, I mean. Would you think that? I would never. Oh, what a,
2: you know, I don't even want to repeat it again. I said it at the top of this segment, but I don't,
0: yeah. No, but even even if if you're the kind of person who thought that, you know, to take the time to write an email about this, you know, to, to put your thoughts down on paper, to compose them in such a way that you're communicating that is a different level than just. If he had been recorded at a bar or something, or overheard, or talked to somebody, and someone he didn't know was recording a conversation or something, you know, then it could be like, "Hey, this was taken out of context," and and that's happened before in other circumstances, um, you know, with in 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 sports. But yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing that just like, man, you you went pretty far in doing this and I don't care if it was anybody, the only people want to excuse this is saying, Oh, it was 10 years ago. Let it go. Let it go. Like, I just never buy that. I never buy that. Maybe when they're young people, like I said, yep. but when you're an older, you know, yeah, 10 years ago, whatever he's in his forties, you know, no, you, you, you can't explain that. It was just a moment of, you know, young stupidity or whatever. Like, no, you know,
2: Mike Rosenberg, a former, uh... Free Press colleague of ours who was a columnist here, and a columnist and a takeout writer, feature writer for Sports Illustrated. was really smart and really, really talented. He wrote a column the other day before the second batch of emails were, were leaked. It was just about the first one to the Wall Street Journal, and he wrote a column kind of linking Gruden and Urban Meyer, the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars who, you know, won titles at Ohio State and the University of Florida. And his point was that when an NFL team, when an NFL owner – once a once a personality, right? Hire somebody because they kind of have a cult of personality, then it's much harder to manage because at that when Mike wrote the column, the other stuff hadn't been released. So it looked like Gruden was going to survive that initial email. Just like Urban Meyer surviving the videotape of of getting a what what do you lap want? Dance. A lap dance, I guess. I don't even <laughs> I'm not sure what that was. But um Yeah, because of the cult of person you know, so it puts teams in a in a bind, but it just it's just a reminder, and it makes you wonder a little bit too. When you when you have that kind of success, and you you do have sort of a cult of admirers, you can uh, you can get away with a lot more, right? But it also but also puts a, an organization in a tough spot.
0: It does, and they 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 have to. You know, there's no safe there's no safe bet. I mean, you nobody knows, right? So no, you don't. That's that's I know what Mike's saying, and especially the Urban Meyer thing. He's supposed to be the savior. Gruden was supposed to be the savior for the Raiders. Um. Yeah, it would have been interesting if 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 nothing else had come out. What would the Raiders have done? How would they have responded? I, and, I suspect you'd still be the coach. Probably, unless it just got untenable in the locker room. And he didn't. He didn't right. address it. Right. He didn't address the initial um report about Demoris Smith. Um. So and the resignation was, like one sentence. <laughs> yeah. Well, he tweeted it out, right? I forget if he tweeted oh, maybe, it or maybe it I think they released other, it. Yeah. The other other
2: platforms. In any case, it's uh, it's it's too bad. It, it, it the NFL still has some work to do. I think right? a lot. I mean, because here here was a coach. He was these emails are to other people, right? This this old boys, this white old boys club. You know, right? It it yeah. James Allen and yeah yeah no for sure yeah. So it's it's I think it's um you know look I think it's it's good that it got out there in a way because it is going to force the NFL to kind of keep trying to move move forward and, and stop tolerating this kind of crap behind the scenes you know you, because if Gruden was doing it with this with uh with the general manager of the, of the Washington team at the time who uh, how much else was happening right
0: if, yeah yeah i mean this,
2: I, this, there's no way this was a one off the,
0: the the i i hate to say it but i think the big takeaway from all this is going to be don't ever send emails don't ever send traceable hateful language like this again it's not going to be don't say it it's going to be don't get caught saying it that's a cynical view but i mean you're probably there might be some truth to that i've known too many people in the nfl i've been around them off the record and and uh, you know i don't think it's as bad as it used to be probably but they're still no they're they're getting better but yeah it's yeah it is a cauldron of macho it it can be
2: culture it can be It can be, which is why it was so refreshing to see Dan Campbell. Yes, shed a few tears. Yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean. Yeah,
0: nice so. way to bring it back. Yeah. Oh
2: well, <laughs> every every once in a while. Well, listen, Carlos, uh, before we before we go, let's um,
0: let's talk about our favorite thing. My favorite thing. Yes, yeah. yes, I have one, Sean. I hope you have one. You are not going to like mine. No, I, I, I like everything mine. You I know you are not going to like it.
2: I like everything you do and say.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, it's baseball, of course. Um, so my favorite thing was, um, you know, my Dodgers, right? I believe Dodger Blue, mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know, even though I don't want to. So they, they 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 won 106 games, Sean, and barely just qualified to be in the wild card game against the St. Louis Cardinals at Dodger Stadium. So they could have been one and done after 106 games, right? Because the idiot Giants won 107 and won the division. So... Um, so they, they're hosting the the wild card game, and, of course, I'm sure you watched the game. You were on the edge of your seat, as I was, and Chris Taylor, a journeyman, kind of a, a utility guy, hits a walk-off home run. Bottom of the ninth, two outs, and they they walk off. And. It was a great win. It was. It was. You know. Yeah, you really sound mean. like it was. Yeah, I can hear the enthusiasm. The enthusiasm. But the thing that struck me was this: even though the Dodgers won the World Series last year, they had to play at a neutral site. They had fans in a stadium in Arlington, but they didn't have their own fans. It's not Dodger Stadium, and I know you want to believe that LA is a Lakers town, but it's a Dodger town. It's a Dodger town. It has been. It always will be. Fifty-five thousand people screaming their heads off. But that's what I remember. That's the thing that I watched that replay. At this point, it's probably up to 20 times now. And what I keep loving about it is the people in the stands, the fans jumping up. When that ball is going to left field, the people are bouncing in the bleachers as he's rounding second. There's And the funny thing is they're not even looking at Taylor they're looking at each other. The fans are looking toward each other, turning around, high-fiving each other, hugging each other, you know, they're looking at their phones. I mean, it's it's such a joyous collective communal moment there. And that's what I missed. Watching the Dodgers win the World Series was was great, but there was something missing and it was the fans. It was the home fans. So, I it was that we finally got I forgot like this is what I missed the whole time is the fans celebrating a playoff, you know, victory championship you have and championship. Give some Kleenex. I, I think I'm going to shed a tear. I, I have another question for you. Is
2: this what I sound like when I talk about food? Because I promise I'll never <laughs> talk about food
0: again. <laughs> if you keep talking about those Dodgers. <laughs> oh my God. So my, you know, it's, it's more, it's even more euphoric when you talk about like Coney Islands and cheese sauce t- or, okay, or well, chili cheese. My, uh, my favorite thing. I I,
2: I, I had a favorite thing. Okay. But it, get, it got replaced. And, and the favorite thing was this. There was a, a thread on Twitter that I saw not too long ago. And this is uh, – so here's the favorite thing. I, I love – we were talking about moving forward earlier and change and all that and, and uh, tradition versus uh, liberation and all this sort of thing. It was a really fun thread on Twitter uh, about the old trope of when you date somebody in a first date, you you know, you don't get too intimate, right? Maybe you kiss. You don't do anything else. You don't have sex. So there's just well, okay, that's a bunch of crap. There's a, a long, long thread of all these people saying, well, of course we b- on the first night, and we've been married for the last 30 years. And there was one example after another of these people saying, well, yeah, we did it on the first night of our date, and we've been married for 25 years, 30 years, 15 years, 20 years. So it's just on and on and on and on and on. So it's just kind of blowing up that idea. I'm not saying to go out and do that. I'm, I, have no, I have no advice. I'm not making a judgment one way or the other. I just thought, you know, 20 years ago, there was, you know, unless you got on ham radio and found each other and wanted to have something like that, you you can't have that kind of conversation. So it was just – it was fun. So that was my favorite thing until I walked in here and heard that Tad, our producer, likes to drink bourbon with just a cube of ice. And it's Bullet, which is, which is a nice brand. So that was my favorite thing. But then you started talking about Jim Beam with Apple in it. Which of course is outrageous, right? You're gonna put apple in your gym bean. Come on, man. It's apple flavored.
0: It's the apple it's, flavored. It's what the young kids want, Sean. Yeah. We're trying to. We you and I need to recapture our youth, and we're, we can't. How we much can't sugar do it. you put in your coffee? Like ten cubes? You know, I I go back and forth, black, and sometimes I do a little a little raw sugar and a little bit of cream. So it okay. just depends on the Yeah, mood. a little raw sugar. So yeah, a, but black black
1: you're coffee. You're a sneaker,
0: a little elitist, uh, <laughs> you know, getting sugar in the raw. I can't believe it. I I I tried it at William Sonoma one time, and I was like, "This is really good. This is okay. this is good. The okay. way to drink it."
2: Well, yeah, the, the liberation <laughs> movement out there in the Ethernet is, uh, you know, is uh, is one of my favorite things because there's so much other crap out there and so much toxicity and, and ugliness and all that. So it's nice to see. That was my larger point, I guess. I, I didn't make it very well, but it was nice to see that uh, you know we can still have some fun out there and connect in funky little ways and be silly and all that sort of stuff but but damn man this young fellow over here having a taste for something that you a lot of people don't get till they're fifty right or or forty you know no I would be thinking he'd just be drinking some beer
0: I would have I would have yeah I would have pregnant him as like a craft beer guy yeah 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 and um maybe maybe one of these like really hip kind of I don't. I don't know what's a cool like Appletini? I don't, yeah, know, something. Didn't I don't even, even know. He did not even
2: put a splash of water. I mean, it's very Bondian in a way. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, he's sneaky. He's sneaky, like you know, urbane. Like yeah, his,
2: he his. is. He is. He is.
0: I, by the way, I didn't get we the memo. on He's
2: got the white shoes, white socks. You have the white shoes, white socks. Yours are polished, by the way. And those are those are slick. Are those what case Swiss? They're case Swiss. Oh yeah. my God, those are nice, man. And I'm in my old New Balance. Next time, are I'll you gonna dress up? Next try time? to be a little cooler. I'll try to be. Smoking jacket? A little hipper. little snifter yeah. of brandy? I have oh. no hipness in me at all. Listen, we've probably gone way too far. <laughs> uh, well, we've definitely gone way too far. Maybe we've gone way too long. Um, thanks for uh, sticking with us. But, uh, Carlos, not bad being in the studio, eh, finally?
0: Yeah, it's awesome. So really enjoyable. Yeah,
2: I think this is, uh, this is fun. We will uh, have a guest uh, at some point. Although I don't know, if we
0: won't have room for the game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we might
2: not. We might not. But uh, in any case, uh, thanks for driving all the way down here from your palace. And where do you live? I live on the east side,
0: Sean. Okay, the east side. We don't want to say three. where you live. No,
2: you live somewhere in
0: in, the, Michi- in Michigan, or do you? <laughs> lower. You live in Canada. I. What if I had a like a, a boat out on the lake? Row? You I live be? in Sarnia, don't you? I could live in Sarnia. And you canoe down. Yeah, I have a. What if? What if I have a hovercraft and I go okay. between? Between Windsor and Detroit. Okay, that sounds. Pablo great. Island.
2: That sounds great. Well, well, we'll we'll dig into that. We'll unpack that. We'll unpack that next time about your your commute and and all that kind of stuff. All right, Carlos. I think that's the show. We've gone on long enough. It's nice to be in this studio, but frankly, I need some fresh air and I'm hot and You can probably see the sweat on my <laughs> on my nice uh, fifteen dollar old navy dress shirt here. Oh yeah, no, come on. We're not gonna we're not gonna go there. We've <laughs> we've Push the line. This whole podcast, but uh, but that's the thing about being in a studio—you got real human interaction, and you never know where it's going to go. But in any case, uh, that was fun, and uh, we'll do it again next week. We may or may not have a guest. Maybe we will. Come on, man! What are you pointing at?
0: Your script. Get it I don't have a script we're, get we're, it
2: right. Ted just told us not to have a script. Listen, to you all <laughs> out there. We don't need a script for this. We can we can thank these fine people for listening to us for taking some time, right? These for, are our bosses we're stop in trouble. By. No, not those people. We'll get to those people in a second. I'm talking about our listeners. Oh, okay. We okay. want to do, thank the listeners, Carlos. Yes. Come on. Yes. We, thank we, you for listening. If uh if you like this show, you can subscribe to it, you rate it, you can find it wherever you can find your favorite podcasts, at Spotify. At Apple, uh, I don't know. Tad probably has some other places too, but uh, I don't. Know. You know, those are that, that's that's beyond me. In any case, thank you to our uh, awesome producer, Mister Tad Davis. We also want to thank uh, our executive producers, Anjanette Delgado and Kirkland Crawford, and uh, as always, the big guy, the executive editor who makes all this possible, Peter Batia. That is our show for this week. We will see you next time.